So we're rolling. Okay. Welcome to the Empowered Business Podcast. I am your host, Two Eagles Marcus, Tiwa Pobloan, <laughs> Native American, founder and publisher of Empowered Business Magazine and Empowered Talent Diverse Job Board. Today I have with me former DNI practitioner turned justice seeker, Farzine Farzad, and he is the founder of Critical Equity Consulting LLC. Welcome today, Farzine. I know I just kind of blew the intro, but that's fine. This is uh, real life. We're just, you know, making it happen. I discovered you uh, on LinkedIn um, in in my journey of, uh, of I want to say my own personal journey of social justice and uh, unracism and anti-racism and decolonization. Um, all of these a lot of the words and terms I was familiar with before the pandemic, but when the pandemic happened uh, and started to happen, that really started uh, even me as being a Native American, half white, half Native American, I've lived a life of privilege. And even myself, I've just kind of shut out. I'm like, oh, you know, these people are like that because of this reason. And I don't really face a lot of those problems. So I'm just going to like, I just need to worry about myself right now. I, my life is hard enough, but when the pandemic happened, I started uh, a, a awareness that, you know, I was like, you know, I have it bad, but there's a lot of people that have it way worse. And there's people that have my bloodline on my reservation that have it tremendously bad. And I have all this knowledge that I've had the privilege, like the only thing that's different for me and, and uh, some, a relative or someone from my tribe is that I ended up in a different zip code growing up. And that was like just luck of the draw, like with anyone, like you just, mm -hmm. you get what you get. And um, so with that privilege I have and the uh, knowledge I have, and I want to be able to connect diverse populations. I want to be able to be a role model for uh, young children that could look up to me and say, Hey, you know, it, you know, somebody can ask them like, who's a successful business person or who's some, a native American that you see, or who can you look up to? And I want to be somebody they can look up to because, you know, sure. when you look at representation of native Americans. Um, I mean, seriously, name one native American uh, that, that you know of that's like a, a business person. A uh, business person? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you can uh, name an actor probably, but... Yeah, interior um, sec new interior secretary. I mean, musician. Well, okay, yeah, the new interior secretary. That So that's like today, though. I mean... Yeah, yeah, um, but, yeah exactly. The first, the first women in, in Congress were two years ago. One of them, Deb Haaland, is from the Laguna, Pueb uh, the Laguna Pueblo. I'm from, well, my my relatives are at the Taos Pueblo. I didn't grow up there, but that's where my people are. And it's an hour and a half away. So to see Deb, uh, Auntie Debbie, <laughs> uh, Love it. to see her, uh, you know, this year it, it, and, and have the a historic six Native Americans uh, in Congress, that's like, that's the most ever. Um, yeah. And to see her representing our people and wearing the clothing from our heritage and from our ancestors and being sworn in and having our family there and seeing, you know, native, the 
the Native American people finally being represented. I mean, we haven't been citizens 100 years yet. It'll be, I'll be 50 when that happens. It's another four years. And my tribe in particular, the, the Tiwa Puebloans from the Pueblo of Taos, we, my father and my grandfather grew up and lived, and there's still people living in it. The It's a thousand year old adobe structure and it's the uh, world's uh, world's oldest continuously inhabited uh, structure, like in the world, according to the world. Wow. Um, oh shoot, the World Heritage Organization. It's a it's a, a protected landmark, uh, and to think very cool that my family, like my dad, my father, my grandfather, my grandmother, they lived in that. It's a thousand years old, but we yeah. haven't been citizens for a hundred years. I mean, obviously sure. I'm a citizen. Uh, my father was a citizen, but my grandfather wouldn't have been a citizen. And his bl- their blood is in that earth wow. in that building. So when I think of that and wow, when I was younger, and I mean, even when I was, I'm saying when I was younger, I'm, I'm 46. So it's been, my, the life I've lived has just been a different life. And I didn't think about those things because for the most part, I didn't, I mean, I've experienced a lot of stuff, but still it's a different world. So that was what started me. I mean, that was a long way to explain it, but in my, my journey of, of, of finding out more about what's happening and who are the thought leaders. And I started just looking for and seeking out, uh, DNI practitioners or diversity inclusion people, and you're one of the people that I came across. And you have a very powerful boy, a uh, very powerful voice. And I've been, uh, you know, you're one of the people I see in my feed multiple times a day. And you always have things to say that I can either relate to, or I can, I mean, I can identify with it, or it's thought provoking, or I need to comment. Like I always have to comment on your stuff and interact because yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so you're one of the people. There's many people I follow that have uh, big voices, but you're one of the main people. And so with all of that being said, all that talking about me, this isn't about me. This is about you. And I want to know. So just tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell me about, you know, what made you uh, leave uh, 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 the corporate world and start start off on your own and what you're doing. Sure. So, um Oh man. Uh, so I guess to, to, to backtrack a little bit, I mean, I'm coming into the, the DEI space, I think from a background in, in minority rights and advocacy. Um, and that was basically a haphazard trajectory that sort of was faded in, in, in a way, I think like, um, it coincided with like sort of my exploration into my own identity and, and trying to figure out where I fit. Um, uh, so I'm ethnically Azerbaijani from Iran. So, you know, I'm, I'm a, a my ethnic minority within a diaspora group. Right. So, um, uh, so ethnically, uh, uh, Azerbaijani from Iran. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily always kind of, mesh with the greater Iranian diaspora here and I've always had a, a tension with my experience and then greater American society. So, you know, 
I did a lot of exploration into what that meant. And one thing led to another. I ended up uh, kind of working in the human rights area, um, uh, specifically with regards to ethnic rights in Iran, ethnic and religious rights. Um, from there, moved into culture work. And long story short, I entered uh, the DEI space uh, after uh, I did a master's uh, program overseas in Azerbaijan, actually kind of this, this whole sort of um, uh, discover myself trip out there, um, came back here, um, started out in the, the uh, higher education space, working in HR, doing diversity work um, uh, for a university nearby here, moved into uh, corporate world, did some diversity and uh, inclusion work for a law firm, big law, uh, moved to local government where um, I started to kind of coax a little bit of my uh, uh, background um, and started utilizing a little bit of my background in, in this sort of advocacy uh, work to kind of translate that into equity work and not just for the organization itself, but for, you know, what we called our customers, which was the greater community um, of uh, Arlington County. So all that, uh, uh, you know, uh, years later. So uh, this summer, this past summer, uh, I decided to kind of take all that experience and start my own firm, Critical Equity Consulting. Um, I chose the name very deliberately, critical coming from critical theory, critical race theory, um, equity coming from a much more systemic approach to dismantling this work as opposed to um, individualistic work. Uh, uh, you know, I believe in the, the virtue of... Uh, of, of kind of looking at systems and how they um, influence human behavior rather than the human behaviors themselves, which are an effect of bad or good systems. So um, with that in mind, I, I kind of uh, took, uh, took all of that sort of uh, those themes, those like uh, concepts that I built over time and started my own firm. And so now um, things are, things are moving along and, uh, and so I'm doing a lot of uh, the work that I normally would be doing for a single institution, but for multiple clients, which, which is uh, making me quite happy. Now with that, that work you're doing, do you uh, find that when you are, um, I want to say qualifying or, or doing preliminary interview interviews with organizations that a lot of them, you'll, they'll say, Hey, we want to set up a meeting. And then you go in and they're like, here's what we want you to do. And you're yeah. like, no, because they don't, they don't want you really to, they just want like optical stuff. They don't want to do like true work, like true culture change and whatever. What, what's, does that happen a lot? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, a, a lot of, okay. So, I mean, it's, it's um, since, since the uh, protests for the murder of George Floyd, I think this has been a topic that's been of interest for a lot of, corporate entities. And I think, um, you know, weeding out the sort of performative and uh, check the box type of approaches versus, you know, if anybody's interested in doing real work is, is something that I think everybody needs to, um, to, to kind of uh, weigh a little bit. And so, you know, uh, luckily I haven't, I, I have had um, interest from 
uh, individuals that are that are seeking to do actual work because I mean they they look at my LinkedIn and see you know the posts that you know, I'm very forward I'm upfront I, I talk about my experience I talk about I try and amplify the experiences of others and so you know you, you know what you're getting into with me um, and and in those initial uh, conversations I'm very very forward you know I uh, I lead with discussions on race. Um, you know, I, I use uh, conversations around race and racialization uh, as a as a way to show processes of uh, developing and sustaining systems of oppression. You know, um, you know, I in introduced this concept uh, that uh, I've learned over time called targeted universalism. You know, uh, you you can't you can't paint broad brushstrokes and kind of expect um, everyone to benefit from from a single policy or a single initiative. Sometimes you have to be very deliberate and intentional about the communities that you're looking to um, influence and, uh, and and kind of uh, help dismantle the barriers for those communities. And so I talk about this quite a bit. And, um, you know, I, I'm not one to, to, to hold back. I mean, at times, yes, of course, I have to a, a little bit, you know, hey, like, you know, this is a client meeting. You're not you're not advocating for anything right now, you know, <laughs> like so. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm pretty forward, I, I, straightforward. And uh, I think um, so far, so good. I haven't really I, I don't know if if it's people do the research and are like, yeah, not this guy. <laughs> they do. Yeah, they're or, like, really? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but, your bounce uh, rate is massively high because they're like probably, wrong yeah. one. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now the the clients that do end up working with you, do you find that they are already have a? Do they have diverse leadership? Do they have? Do they? I, I mean, are they starting from scratch, like like out of nowhere, or have they been working on stuff? Like, what kind of? Uh, insight you have there? Um, I, I think it's mixed. So, uh, you know, I've received interest from um, organizations that are interested in, you know, okay, it's time. You know, we've been avoiding this topic for for all these years. And, um, you know, it's it's really time to, to, to get something started and moving. Others are very, like, you know, I'm, re I'm ready to drop everything and go, right? Like I'm, I'm ready to, like, we have a foundation a little bit, but we want to take it to the next level. Right. And so we want to have really meaty conversations about um, systems of power and oppression and how they influence our employees and our clients and like, you know, really trying to hammer out exactly um, where the issues are. So it's, it's been mixed. Uh, I think, um, you know, given my background uh, uh, I'm lucky to, to have been, um, exposed to institutions that um, are in different, uh, you know, places of their own uh, journey into doing this work. And so um, uh, I think, I, you know, I have, I, I speak with a, a, a type of, I think what, what, I've, what I've been, you know, told is that I speak with a, a certain degree of calmness and, um, you know, understanding to the point where it's not, it's not threatening. Yeah, but it's I'm not also reserving anything. You know, I'm these are this is real. This is society. We're not. This is like 
do away with the whole, are you politicizing things or whatever? This is reality. You can't escape this, but let's talk about it in a way and frame it into a way that we can understand it and do something. So yeah, it's mixed. <laughs> Long story, but yeah. Do you think that, um, uh, I don't know what the, t- I, I can't remember what the term is for it, but, um, oh, I know, uh, 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 Oh shoot! Now I forgot. About, um, what is it when you switch? Um, code switching. Yeah, code switching. So is code switching is is code switching more of changing your voice? So like, if you have an accent and you change it to like a white sounding accent, or is it the words, or is it the dialect? or as a a combination of everything, because I know that um, code switching has been something that I've, I've talked to people about and I'm just trying to get an understanding of what people think it is and what the real definition is. Yeah. For me, I I think I have a pretty inclusive definition. I mean, it's essentially changing who you are, how you communicate, the tone you use, um, uh, trying to yes, hide your accent, trying to uh, use, uh, uh, words and terminology to make you fit into this dominant cultural norm. And, um, and so my approach to that is, is that um, instead of, you know, hammering in exactly, okay, so this is code switching and this isn't code switching. The concept is um, you are not being your authentic, authentic self, right? Like, you know, uh, had I um, uh, had, a, a, you know, a, an accent, um, would I be able to have that accent and, ch- and, and kind of not use mental energy to consistently check myself um, uh, to be my authentic self? And that goes to the system, the, the environment you're creating, right? So it's not like, I'm not, I'm not here to teach anybody. Um, of course, that's something I can do, teach how to uh, you know, survive in a problematic system. Yes, I've done that before. I don't, you know, particularly care for that. I'm trying to change the system so you can be your authentic self. Because when you're doing that type of uh, exercise, when you're trying to consistently limit what you're saying, you can't, you can't bring your 100% self into that situation because you're consistently worried about how are people going to interpret um, my speech, my speech pattern, my uh, the language that I'm using, the terminology that I'm using, you know, is it um, professional? Is it elevated in these societal constructs that we've developed? Um, or uh, am, am I going to, uh, uh, you know, f- frankly, that this is a thought, am I going to sound stupid or look stupid, right? And so um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it, it's an issue, I think, uh, most people face when they're kind of uh, uh, entered into a system that's 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 foreign to them, um, that's foreign to their uh, specific dominant culture. Um, and so, if you're if you're if you're othered in that situation, then yeah, you have to kind of think of ways to 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 fit in more. But my my whole uh, approach to that is um, let's let's remove that barrier. Let's remove these ideas of what passes for. Um, you know, professional or educated or, uh, you know, uh, uh, which sounds better and doesn't sound better. Let's break that, you know, that system and create a kind of inclusive environment where 
I'm al I'm allowing people to bring themselves into that environment so they don't have to worry about all these this that their speech to the to the point where their ideas are flourishing. You know, it's about the communication is about their product, their ideas, what they're thinking, as opposed to how, how they're speaking. So, um, yeah, I think I mean it's uh, for me it's all encompassing. I think code switching. I mean I've done it myself. Like I've been in environments where. Um, I've had to watch watch what I say. I, I mean, I grew up in PG County in Maryland, and we have a we have a, a specific way of talking that I grew up and and I've had to unlearn. Or um, <laughs> what I, is I, it? I, I can't be that bad. I mean, it's it's not bad. No, like that's the part, that's the thing. It's not good or bad, right? It's it's just how we grew up, and so. Oh yeah, look um, how I said it can't be that bad. What I mean is, yeah. um, just you know. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how different it is or what's different about it than, than what you are now. I mean, uh, you just, you just talk, you're talking and I'm just wondering what, what, it, what it would be. What did you have to unlearn? Um, I mean, I guess it's like, uh, like kind of the pace and, you know, just like some of the, the, the lingo that you use and, and, uh, um, and kind of the things that you say, like, I mean, they don't translate across the rest of the country. And some <laughs> things that we say, you know, growing up, like, don't, don't really. So like, like the difference know between, so if somebody says soda and pop, or if you go yeah, somewhere and I mean, they say, the hey, I want level. a Coke. And then they're like, what kind? And you're like, what? A Coke? Yeah, right. <laughs> what kind? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, okay. like, I mean, or, or like accent. Uh, from specifically PG County or, or adopting my, you know, sometimes I, I would say things in, uh, I'd notice in my father's accent. Right. And then, um, and then I would get embarrassed and I'm like, why am I embarrassed at this? Right. Like this is, you know, there's nothing particular. This is just it. That's, it's not good or bad. It, it, it exists. The fact that if somebody were to react negatively to me saying something like that, or saying in a speech, uh, you know, using a term or um, in a manner that's not jovial or, hey, what does that mean? Or, or something like that, or it's kind of viewed negatively. Um, that's the problem, right? Yeah. Not, not, you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned. I'm concerned with creating an environment where I can, I can, I can be me. And, uh, well, I just, I just want to take it a little bit further uh, with, you know, so code switching in the business environment uh, it's a survival mechanism, but it's also, you know, when it comes to being in the real world, it can be life or death, uh, when it yeah. comes to interactions with police. Um, but also, you know, let's think about, let's think about it again. You know, if, if white people from the United States go to other countries, they're not concerned about code switching. They just are still themselves. They're not trying to fit in. They're like, I'm in a white American. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like, so when you think of that, when you talk about how the majority of the population, then that goes into mi minority and majority is that is only, it's, it's, it's an indication of power. It's not the amount of people and, you know, white people will go into those countries and they don't think for one second that they have to code switch to survive. Right. They just are like, I'm here. It's me. I'm open, you know, so those are um, considerations that we have to think about.
Yeah, I mean, I that's that's the privilege of living in a global empire, right? Like, you know, people are watching American movies. People understand, um, you know, American mannerisms. Like, um, it is it is just just as uh, you know, we we operate in in whiteness here. Like, the world is operating in Americanness, white Americanness globally, right? Like, um, so a lo- I mean, I've been to countries and they're you know, I, I'm hearing them trade sort of these, like, um, these, uh, uh, workplace concepts that I'm like, you know, where'd you hear that? Like, that's, that's, you know, that's not, first off, that's not culturally relative to you. That's very like individualistic in, a, in an extremely American sense. So, and, and I mean, people are like, you know, use social media, the books that are kind of being, um, spread out about workplace. So we are we are setting the tone for what um, the system from the workplace to interactions with police to interactions with uh, with just greater society. We're setting that tone across the world. Like, and so um, I do. I, I think there's some value in understanding the power of uh, uh, and privilege of being an American. Um, above all things. So, you know, that I've never been into a, into a country where um, like I've had the things that I do question. Like, I mean, of course, like people will ask about like certain things like pride, but it's not a, it's not a like, you know, like you said, it's not a life or death situation or it's not a, a situation of um, bias or discrimination where I feel like if I, if I'm not this way, then and people like they're like, oh, you know, he's he's that way because you know he grew up in the the U.S. And so, um, for for other cultures, both here and globally, um, you know, you, you don't get that you don't get that privilege. Like you don't, you, there's not much exposure to your particular uh, uh, cultural values, your mannerisms, how you talk, how you present yourself, what you believe. Um, that, that's the luxury of having society do the work for you. Right. So, uh, being an American and going abroad, um, people know what, what that is and society, I don't have to explain myself because society has done that for me being, um, Middle Eastern in the United States. Uh, I have had to explain and, and, and try and get people to view me as a human being because society is not doing that for me. The media is, not doing the media is doing the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I have extra work to do to fit in, or I have extra work to to do to kind of uh, um, to, to to be able to be viewed as a human human being in in the most basic of sense. So um, you know, abroad uh, I have privileges as, as an American to a certain extent. Here I have some privileges, some marginalizations, and it just it's like you know, it, what, what's society doing for you and What's like, what kind of barriers are society erecting like against people like you? So it's a constant thought. Okay. So when it comes to, you know, I, I told you before on LinkedIn that somebody, um, somebody said that I was a, uh, white passing, um, race manager and (laughs) because of my awards, the the, my awards Uh, program. Um, but uh, no, you, well, first off your identity is for you to define. So I wouldn't let that, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. Well, but people will, so people, you know, that's a thing that I think that, uh, you know, people with darker skin upset that, you know, cause there's, 
I've had conversations with, with friends and, and it's just like, people say, well, you know, these, you know, uh, I have dark skin, they have light skin or whatever it is, but there is a privilege. I mean, it's, it's, it's proven in societies that people, you know, people will say to their, to their kids, like, don't go on the sun too long. You'll get too dark. And, um, they covet lighter skin, even amongst the different races and ethnicities within their own race. Um, so one of the things that, I mean, if, if, um, you and I compared to a lot of people would be looked at as white passing. Oh, you just look like yeah. a white guy. You can, you can get through it. But the thing that you and I, that I have our unique differentiators is that we both have culturally significant or reflective names. So you and I could jump on a phone call with somebody and they'd be like, Oh, it's just some white guys rolling in. And then all of a sure. sudden here's two Eagles and Farzine. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> Like, right, so, they, yeah. so they call us and invite us down. Right. Or, or we call them and invite it down. And then we get there and they look on the list and they're like two Eagles and Farzine. And then we're, we're standing there like, yeah, we just talked to you, man. And they're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I have to exactly. go through a lot of, um, you know, every day I'm explaining my name every day. I had to like repeat myself. I have to spell my name out when I'm on the phone. And a lot of the times I just, depending on what it is, I'm just like, it's Marcus. If I'm, if I'm ordering pizza or something, I'm like, it's Marcus. I don't want to sit there and go through all the, like it, it, it gives me anxiety. It, it physically causes me, like I can feel it when I say two Eagles and then they just pause for a long time. Yeah. And, and I'm laughing. No, I'm laughing because uh, I have this running bit, this running joke that I'm, I'm Frank at Starbucks. So like, <laughs> so um you know, it's, it's my, it's my uh, convenience identity versus like my authentic self. So like, yeah, I don't want to actually spend time to spell it out. And, you know, when, when I just like, it, it's a quick interaction, like that, I, I just, I, I need something, um, uh, which I, is it, is it good or not? I don't know. Like, it, I mean, I, I feel weird every time I do it. Yeah. Like in the back of my head, but I'm like, I'm um, lying to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So no, I'm not I, being I real. I'm not keeping it real. So is convenience identity? Is that a a, a D E and I terminology thing? I think I just made that up. Uh, <laughs> uh, you need to figure. You need to figure out what it is, what it is because that's a thing. Like I'm not the. I know I've talked to other people. They do it. Like, I you know I saw somebody on my LinkedIn feed the other day, and he had a culturally significant name for his ethnicity, and then he had the white name. It's kind of like he had Farzine or or Frank. Yeah, um, in parentheses, he, uh, so he made it like a in the he made a nickname so it's more acceptable to Americans and I was like no I, I told him to stick with his his true name I said you you know be true to yourself be proud represent yourself this is we got to do this now because it's never going to change if we don't start you know representing our heritage and yeah. and he went with that because he, he had actually the second name the nickname on is, is LinkedIn. Um, but I understand and I get it. Like it's, it's already hard enough to get things yeah. done and then adds another barrier to it where, but at the same time, I'm constantly, you know, making my name known and putting it out there. Uh, but I do have the convenience identity 
which I think that that's a new name, a new term you just invented that needs to be submitted into the <laughs> vocabulary. The lexicon, but yeah. The lexicon, yeah. Uh, so definitely that's something that, and there may be another term for it, but anyways. I, it's, I, I know. I, I think I think you you hit on a very important topic of there's this always this dichotomy, this duality of what do I need uh, to do in order to survive versus what do I need to do in order to change society to reflect like better upon people like me and and my people and people I identify with, right? Like so, um, you know, at times when uh, I have I have considered even changing my name on resumes because I know that uh, people will. Um, look at my res- resume and, and see my name and automatically assume that, I mean, there's no, nothing wrong with this, that I'm a recent immigrant or, um, or there's something negative uh, connotation to that. Like, oh, he, like the, 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 the framework is always going to a point where, oh, he's not a good culture fit, right? Because um, he has this, this foreign sounding name. And so I've actively chosen to my own detriment to keep my name on resumes and, and to, to, to be myself like, in, in situations that truly matter. And I think at this point in my life, I've been able to kind of develop a, you know, platform on LinkedIn. Um, I've, I've, I've brought myself to a point of privilege where I can be my true authentic self. And, you know, even this conversation uh, uh, is important because like, you know, I can be Farzine on here and people will recognize who I am and, and, and that and, and, and recognize what I'm about without like automatically assuming, you know, seeing my name and, and drawing up several conclusions. So there is this aspect of, you know, if I'm coming up, like, what do I need to do to, to, to get ahead? Um, which is, I mean, it speaks to our system of racial capitalism in, in, this, in this country. And then while we're doing that, you know, can I then, if I'm at a, place where I'm, I'm comfortable, can I now be me? So it is a, it is a constant dance of, uh, and I talk about this a lot in my trainings, like, you know, what do, what do privileges afford you and what do marginalizations uh, keep you from? And so, um, uh, and a lot of it is just like, there's so many things that, you know, privilege, uh, it's, it's not like, you know, you're getting handed out money all the time. It's, it's simply for the fact that I don't have to think about this. Um, and that in itself is uh, is energy saver, right? You're saving your mental energy for something else, for something uh, for your out for the output of your labor, for for what you're doing, for the advocacy work you're doing. Whereas, you know, that takes a lot of mental energy to not be yourself, to be inauthentic, to cover, to code switch. Um, and so, for us, I think it is a, it is a constant thing. And going back to what you're saying, I I mean, I fully like I, one of the things I talk about, like about whiteness is, is it's, it's whiteness. I, you, it's, it's good to think about in terms of privilege and access. So at times I'm white passing and white proc, like right approximate. So I don't, I don't get this, the barriers that maybe somebody from my ethnicity, but maybe have darker skin would have, or somebody um, who is black, brown or indigenous would uh, face. Right. Um, uh, in, in, if they're more, uh, you know, like less white appearing than, than I am. And so, um, I think I have, sometimes I have a foot in, uh, this space in the space of whiteness and sometimes I don't. And so, um, I think for me, that gives me a sense sometimes of like, you know, wow, I can do that. 
you know, uh, if I don't, you know, if, if my name isn't an issue, if my name doesn't come up or, or like I can, you know, walk down the street, even as a man, I can walk down the pathways here in my neighborhood and not worry about any physicality issues. Like nobody's going to um, stalk me or, or, or anything like that. But like, um, but yeah, so I, you know, it's, it's important to recognize where you fit into society. Like defining your own identity does not mean that, you don't know the historical processes and societal process that, that got you to where you are, right? You still have to recognize, um, for us, for people like us, we still have to recognize that uh, we, we, we are part of a racial hierarchy. We're part of a gender hierarchy. We're part of a, a caste system that's based on all of this. And where we fit depends on um, the privileges and marginalizations that society has provided for us. So it is a constant thing that you're thinking about that people that are in the in the higher level of this cast that don't have those marginalizations don't have to think about that's that's true can so can you explain the racial caste system uh that's in the united states yeah so that's uh so that's a concept i'm borrowing from uh isabel wilkerson i think that's the 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 best way to really sort of um uh in something that i've been using more often in my tr uh, my discussion so typically um i talk about like uh you know power how is power expressed who has it who doesn't who's striving for it um as the 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 source code basically of society um i've i've moved away from that to kind of talk about this like caste system which is you know similar to the caste system in india in this country whereas it's a system of power and privilege but this caste system is embedded into every every uh, aspect of our society like so whiteness is at the very top and then for um it, it kind of trickles into like proximity to whiteness and what are the different uh elements of your identity that intersect to kind of put you at the, at the lower ends um, of, of this racial hierarchy, this racial caste system that's built. So I view this caste system as the, as the source code of America. And I view like sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, racism and all its aff affects as sort of the user interface, right? That's the, 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 you know, the, the uh, not systemic racism, but sort of the more interpersonal interactions. They're the they're the face of it, whereas it's this embedded sort of uh, system. So that's why I consistently focus on equity and justice above diversity and inclusion. And that's my tagline: diversity and inclusion practitioner turned justice seeker. Because diversity and inclusion is the is the user interface. Um, if you want to build a truly uh, good system, you focus on equity, dismantling the system, right? Dismantling um, systems of oppression and dismantling structural racism, dismantling uh, uh, structural uh, misogyny and sexism. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's sort of like a misshapen pyramid, essentially. Um, I've, I don't know if this is true or not, but I sort of fall in the middle of, of this category, like, uh, categorizations. I, you know, there are certain privileges that I have. There are certain privileges I have. I, I have as a man, of course, in any situation. Yeah. Um, uh, white passing. Then you get to my name, and you know, that's a that's a extra element kind of weighing me down. Yeah. This um, is a big check or, mark. Out right. Or as an immigrant <laughs> status, right? So like, um, so it's it's. I think like viewing that gives you the tools as a, as a caste system, it gives you the tools to kind of uproot rather than focus on the 
the uh, the affects of this caste system, right? So we, we we talk a lot about hey, let's be included and in all these things, and which is great, but in reality, um, all of those things eventually trickle and fix themselves once you fix the the, the groundwork, right? Once you do the, the the real work to uproot systems that are disproportionately harming others and creating environments where. I don't have access to certain types of education. I don't have access to, um, you know, for example, even even parents that understand the American system. Like that's I had extra work to do growing up uh, because uh, uh, my my you know other parents had uh, a knowledge of how the American school system worked and the PTA meetings and all these other things. Like they they were knowledgeable about at least getting that info, finding a way to figure out that information. Whereas I always like you know I always felt like. Oh, my parents don't know, like, you know, talk to me instead. Right. Uh, you know, don't like, they wouldn't figure it out. And I, that didn't feel good. Right. Like, so um, there are a lot of these affects of, of these uh, bad systems that, you know, we got to be careful of if we're fo- focusing on too much on the, you know, what I'm ca- calling the user interface rather than the source code um, becomes problematic. So equity and justice is the unit. Uh, which one's the, source code and which one's the user interface? So I, I think uh, they're, they're both equity and justice is sort of developing the, uh, working on the system, um, diversity and inclusion. Diversity kind of has a foot in, into building equitable systems and inclusion is, um, you know, just being included, like, right? But when you're talking about being included, um, I, 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 don't, I, I don't really ever talk about inclusion, I think in my, in my discussions because it still has a latent impression of power. Like I am including you. I have the power to bring you. Yeah. In. To include or exclude. Right. So, you know, there's this um, uh, famous quote, you know, in, in the somewhat earlier days of diversity and inclusion by uh, Renee Myers that said diversity is um, being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance where you're, you're still being asked to dance, right? You're not getting up and dancing on your own. You're, um, there's somebody there that's bringing you in. And so I think a lot of d- diversity and inclusion work up until for the past like 30 or some years up until recently, uh, we've, we've been in this area of, oh, let's figure out how to bring people in. Let's figure out how to, let's not, not, not accept their ideas or values, but we'll hear, we'll hear them out, right? And so um, valuing everybody um, uh, in, in the way they need to be valued and they want to be valued and they want to express themselves is important. And it's not, it is not up to me to determine what those values are so, so I can include you. It is up to, uh, it's not up to me. It's up to the system, right? Like you build an equitable and inclusive system to the point where everybody can be themselves, right? And equity, inclusion follows equity. Um, so the source code is, is equity and justice. And they, and one thing that I think was really important about those two concepts is um, is the role of of course correction. Um, Without equity and injustice, the conversation is on equality. And equality assumes that everybody's coming from the same place, everybody has the same tools, and uh, everybody's had the same opportunities, and we just have to value that. And if they, if they don't have it, then tough luck. We're just gonna talk about, um, talk to these individuals who have, you know, have gone to 
this tier of university have gone to have had this type of, this uh, type of experience and that kind of thing. And so, um, so that, that is problematic, right? So not everybody has had that, uh, uh, that same sort of upbringing and educational and experiential uh, knowledge. So it is okay to target and, um, and course correct for societal wrongs, right? This is, this is the root of justice. You're, 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 it's a balance. You're, 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 you have to, um, if somebody doesn't have uh, the Excel skills required, for example, uh, you know, talking off the top of my head, is that something that can be trained internally, right? If we value this individual because they, they have great ideas and you know they're 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 really uh, they're really great at what they have and, and, and are missing this one thing just because you know uh, they may have um, been overlooked in the past um, is that something we can train now right is is that something we can course correct for uh, for 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 problems in the past so that's on a on a micro level on a macro level when you're talking about um, you know, uh, 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 sort of societally, um, yes, it's going to take investment into communities that have been structurally left out of access to capital, of um, equal housing policy, of uh, equal uh, uh, policing policy and the court system. It's going to take investment to, to, to course correct those societal wrongs. We have to think of these legacies of, of, of these past issues. And so that's what I mean when I'm talking about the caste system and the sort and changing the source code and building equity and justice. I mean, bringing, bringing people in and uh, patting yourself on the back, like, Hey, we got diversity and we're hearing these people out. It's still paternalistic. You're still talking about, I got the power to do that for you. Right. Um, so it, that, you know, it's a lot of concepts, but essentially um, it's really like as much as we can flattening this, racial hierarchy, this racial caste system um, in society and in our institutions and organizations. Um, one, you know, one of the things that uh, when you were talking about, you know, having the party and inviting someone to dance, it's, it's like, there's still that gatekeeper and it's, yeah, it's like, okay, well, we're going to hire you, but you have to talk like us. And we know you can't look like us, but you still have to wear the same kind of clothes we're wearing. And, you know, it's like, that's where it comes into being to have to code switch to survive. Like yeah. you cannot just be yourself. You cannot, you cannot talk the way, the way that you grew up talking or you just, you have to change your speech patterns. And, you know, some of that is, a thing that's done in business. Like obviously when you're hanging out with your friends and, and, or, you know, whatever, you're going to talk differently about stuff than when you're at work. And, and I don't think that, I mean, necessarily it depends on what kind of job you have because there's an expectation on professionalism and communication. And, and uh, so there is a bit of just, um, you know, that transforming to, just meet the particular uh, system, but then our, our environment, but then, you know, if you look at like one of the things I, I like to think about is for many years or however many years we've done international business 
with so many organizations, you know, so many, like, whether it's Japanese, African, uh, whatever culture that Americans have done, white Americans have done business overseas. And when it comes to that, I know that these businesses aren't like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys need to get to our level. I mean, there has to be the level of the product quality, but they're mm -hmm. not tone checking somebody from a different country. They're not like regulating hairstyles. They're not like, oh, I was going to do business with you, but you're wearing a culturally significant hairstyle. And that's yeah. not acceptable in the United States. I mean, because that's the stuff that happens now. You have people that are literally not getting jobs because they're wearing uh, braided hair or because they're wearing their natural curly Afro hair. Right. They're, they're being told that they need to, to straighten it or they need to, you know, adopt a hairstyle that's more professional, meaning it needs to fit a European beards. beauty standard yeah. or, or beards. I, I, yeah. I've never had problems with a beard, but I've, I've never, when I was working for people, I didn't have a beard. I was a young kid. That's the thing too, is like, you know, obviously I think that when it comes to, this is one of my assumptions, I'm just making this up, but for instance, you now with your own company, you have the freedom to decide who you're going to work with and not accept um, clients that aren't going to work up to what your level, like you get to qualify clients. They don't qualify you now. And what I mean is when you were working at an organization as part of a corporation, like you had your limits of what you could do, they would define what you, what you were able to do. And if you were going mm -hmm. too far, they're like, no, that's too much. You're doing too yeah. much. We don't want it like that. We just want it to look like we're doing some stuff, but we don't want real cultural change or we don't want real policy change. Yeah. I mean, why would you, right? If you're like, if, if the, the system benefits you to a, to a degree where you're comfortable, like getting outside of that is like, uh, like in, no matter who you are, if, if you're from a dominant power uh, uh, norm or system, like, uh, or, uh, or a culture, um, uh, uh, what you view as an encroaching culture is, is a threat, right? It's, I have to now learn this to, to get ahead. And so that, that's been the problem of society up until this point. Now we're, we're finally learning that, um, you know, that's, that's, that's problematic. And so um, going back to what you were saying, like, you know, you, those who, who, who build a workplace culture or a societal culture or, you know, over time, they imprint themselves onto that system, right? Like no matter if you're, if you're doing it consciously or subconsciously, the values that are, you're creating are going to reflect things that you relate to no matter who you are, right? Um, and so that's something we have to act actively combat. So like uh, uh, up until, you know, recently, uh, uh, I wouldn't even say like, um, you know, we're still in this situation, the dominant cultural norm is whiteness and white supremacy in America and in our institutions. And is that because uh, we have Nazis at the top of the C-suite? No, it's because <laughs> it's, um, I mean, there could be, yes. There, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying there aren't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the concept of white supremacy, I think is even more sinister than that because it's not something you can really grasp. Like with, with somebody that's an avowed white nationalist or any sort of uh, nationalist in their home country, you can say, oh, this is what this person's about. But the, the sinister thing about white supremacy is that 
it's pervaded everything. So including the, the culture, including the values of, of that particular work environment or, or culture or society or whatever. Um, and so everything that, uh, like all the, all the outward affects are, are rooted in that source code of racial hierarchy, that, that white supremacist system. Um, and so everything relates back to that. So I have to code switch to fit that norm. And so if you're, if, if you've been, high, you know, if almost like a, a royal family, right? If you're at the top of the chain and, um, and somebody's challenging your, uh, you know, the, the values that you hold, which have always been keeping you at the top, um, you're going to feel threatened and you're going to react. And so it is the responsibility then of those people at the top to be like, okay, now I have, I, you know, I have had all of this power. I have a responsibility to break this system that's disproportionately affect, like uh, privileged me and disproportionately benefited me to make it, uh, make sure that everybody has the same, um, I, I'm gonna use the term opportunity, but that's also a little bit flawed, the same ability to get where I am, right? Um, and even so, like, just like, the hierarchy itself is problem. Like we don't, we don't want to swap out the hierarchy for different people. Like we want to break the hierarchy. We want to break this dominant cultural framework. Um, going back to what you were uh, saying about representation, like we have to really, really be careful. So if you have, for example, indigenous representation in, in government, um, the fact that they're there is yes, very, very important, but is the system allowing them to be who they are and allowing them to dismantle the, the, the problems affecting those communities, right? So if we have like, you know, if we have a black president, uh, did were we able to uh, um, uh, dismantle the system of white supremacy under Barack Obama because he was at the top? No, the system fights back, the system perpetuates itself. We can, we can swap out the, the levers of who controls the power, but so long, and that's the diversity part of it, and diversity is great, but diversity and in, in, um, all of this stuff is, is meaningless without justice. Representation is essentially meaningless. I mean, it's, there is some value to it, but for the most part, it's meaningless without justice. You have to break this, this system of, of dominance and, and subordination and these caste systems and these hierarchies that are consistently weighing on us. Um, it, it, it would feel great for somebody like me to ha like have somebody who's an ethnic Azerbaijani from Iran in Congress or as the president of the United States or, or uh, you know, even in the music industry or the acting world, um, but what are they? What are they able to do? Can they can they be themselves and pave the way for others, or is the system so inherently limiting to them that it's referring? It's always going back to this dominant framework. That reminds me of um, <clears throat> Aziz Ansari. And he was talking about how he was on a, a movie poster and I was like him and two white people. And he said, you know, it's okay for just for one of us to be on here, but if one more Indian is on the, on the poster, all of a sudden it's an Indian movie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> and oh, it, and it's like, you know, you still have to, um, yeah, cater to whiteness. Like, yeah, exactly. So like, like you couldn't, you couldn't be, um, uh, a, a traditional. Whoa! Hazard. Hold up! Pump the brakes. 
I did not research the proper pronunciation of Azerbaijani, and I apologize for that. It was totally embarrassing, but I wanted to make sure I corrected it uh, in the uh, editing. So it's corrected. Again, my apologies. Azerbaijani, yeah. A, a person, and then come out with an accent and like really culturally with it. You'd have to be like the white washed version exactly where your background was from there maybe your name was kind of like that but you probably changed it a little bit to be a little more white so you couldn't really be your your authentic self and i think that a lot of the i think that um it's a very very long 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 process for for us to get to those kind of points but yeah. um the you know what we can do is is just fight the good fight now and just be a part of the long-term change for our uh future relatives will be the we're the ancestors of our future relatives um right. so tomorrow i am i am taking a grand rapids chamber they have a course uh that's put on by the virtual institute for healing racism uh tomorrow and that's i'm going to be participating in an all day uh uh, what is it? Um, race and uh, it says, when was the last time you had an honest conversation about race with a diverse group of people? And then it's an all day training. So there's um, things that I'm going to learn tonight that when I read, read some of the materials and then I get to spend all day. You know, I don't really know what to expect, but this is kind of, this is like my first official actual like class and learning uh you know i've read uh some of the books i've read lately is uh, how to be anti-racist and i also read uh weapons of math ma math destruction which talks hmm. about the biases in mathematical systems and algorithms and uh that was extremely eye-opening like when you look at put that the inherent biases that are put into formulas because of, of people that are in privilege only think about what you know they're like oh every everybody has an iphone or you know yeah. all these different things where you don't think that there are people that don't have access to stuff or or even for uh when you think about when it comes to race and and a job that if uh one particular race uh isn't showing up on time you're like, oh, they're a bad employee and it's because they're this, this color or this ethnicity because they're not showing up on time. So they clearly don't care about this job. So they get fired. Well, then when you dig deeper and you find out that that particular ethnicity uh, is, is most of them live in poverty in this community and they have to ride the bus. So they have to make five transfers and spend an hour just to get to work. And that's why they're late. If they make one false right. move, then they don't get to the job on time. And that matters, right. but you don't know that because you have a car and you just think that, oh, they're just lazy and not setting their alarm and not getting in their car on time consistently. But that's not it yeah. because you don't experience that. You've never experienced it. And there's so many other examples of those kind of um, systems that are created that if you don't have the perspectives of other people that have had the lived experience of, of it, then you won't be able to to create the systems that are accurate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the time, I mean, to add to what you're saying, a lot of the time it's like we're so wrapped up in our own struggle 
that, you know, we think, okay, we're, we're, it's tough. You know, we're, we're, we're powering through, we're, we're doing what we can to survive. And then that sort of unawareness sort of uh, kind of comes out of, of that privilege. So like um, uh, when, when we're starting from a different uh, area or starting from a different, po- like, you know, you know, you have the, you have the, the, the race analogy where some people have more hurdles. When you have less hurdles, you're still experiencing hurdles to get where you need to go. And you're so focused on those hurdles that you, you can't just look over and say, wow, that's, I mean, there's all these systemic barriers and, if, and, and to celebrate, hey, the fact that you're here and you're alive and you're surviving and you're able to be where you are itself is, is, is a true miracle. Um, it, it, but is that, is that something good? Is that a virtue? I don't know. I mean, it's good for them, that individual. But the fact that that exists, like, that's, that's BS. We got to clear that path. And so I think, like, to, to your point, like, you get to a point where um, – you know, you fight and you make it. And then you have this, I mean, we, we call them blind spots, but it's a problematic term. I usually use the term unawareness, unawareness of our own power and privilege because we, we know we had to fight a little bit. Right. I mean, it's not like we, and that, that kind of shuts us off to other people's um, uh, uh, fight and other people's like kind of struggles to get where they are. And um and so when you're when you when you you know make it to that level and you're able to to uh, imprint yourself and like you were saying tell, even down to the most minute detail of like the the technology like we're imprinting yourself onto the te- technology literally like um, uh, you don't you don't think about those things because they never happen to you, you like you, yeah. you you have to actively know about all of these different hurdles that exist for this person to be able to understand it and that's why you know that's why. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to negate the value of diversity, right? The value of inclusion. Um, it is extremely important. But again, we have to create an environment where those individuals from those backgrounds who, who have lived experience in those spaces that have had to struggle and know what it's like to struggle, bring themselves to the to that authentic selves and are able to talk about those experiences authentically to be able to create better outcomes and better products, right? So, you know, forcing somebody into the top and then they have to have had to become an able-bodied white wealthy male, which is the dominant framework here, um, to be able to do that is not the way to go. You know, you have to allow that individual to be able to speak to their um, particular uh, 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 struggles, those hurdles, and be able to do something about it. And so when, when we're, you know, where we're imprinting ourselves into the culture, into the products that we're creating, um, it's going to happen. But the more we democratize and the more we flatten that, the more people from different uh, backgrounds will have opportunities to create products and cultures that are more reflective of broader society, of an aggregate culture, of an inclusive culture, rather than the dominant framework. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have hair products that only, only for, you know, blonde hair or, um, or like different, uh, you know, products that are catered to certain, uh, individuals that aren't catered to others, like foods, for example, like, so, um, authenticity and, and justice and equity are very, very important to the, to the diversity stuff. So. Now, if, um, 
So I'm taking this class tomorrow. It's uh, eight to five. I've read a couple of books. Um, and I spend more time. Um, like I said, I've added a lot. Well, I don't think I said it, uh, but I've added a lot of DNI practitioners and advocates and social justice advocates um, on my LinkedIn connections. I started following more um, more organizations that are into social justice, uh, like the organizations themselves, because I wanted to become more aware of what organizations are up to, what I can learn, what what are what are people talking about? Why is it important? What is their what are their perspectives? And that's how I've been working on uh, my own personal journey of of becoming more empathetic and becoming more aware of what's happening and how I can help and how I can participate in things that, you know, I've been doing wrong myself, uh, even though, you know, we all have our own levels of privilege and experience and we, no matter how much we learn, we're still going to say things that are wrong or be insensitive or not think things through. And, um, but that is why I'm, I'm part of, you know, in my learning, I'm, I have to unlearn. Mm -hmm. And I think that learning is easier than unlearning. Yeah. <laughs> Now, what, what, what do you, um, do you have trainings or books or PDFs or anything that our audience could access or download or purchase from you that, or they could start to learn more? So not yet. Uh, I'm working on some materials. Um, uh, if you go to criticalequity.com, um, there's a resources tab where I, uh, I'm going to, uh, I have a few resources up. You can watch a webinar that I did recently. Um, there's some things uh, coming up in the pipeline that I'll be putting up once they're ready and published. Um, if you're interested in any type of training from, you know, uh, just foundational concepts of diversity, equity, and inclusion to inclusive leadership to, uh, you know, respect in the workplace with a DEI focus to conversations around anti-racism. Um, there's a, there's a, you can reach out to, I mean, you can do through the website or you can reach out to contact at criticalequity.com to kind of get a, get a sense for, um, for, uh, you know, what I do and what I can offer. Um, but there, there's more to come. So uh, I've, it's still like, uh, you know, critical equity is still kind of in its infancy. We, we you know, we're not, we, we haven't been around for a, a year yet. Um, and so we're still like kind of uh, putting together um, some, some, some more materials and, and, but those will, those will definitely be coming up over the next few months. So. Yeah. We'll you know, I start upload them. We're connected on LinkedIn. So I, I get to, uh, you know, get little bits of your thought process, your experience, your thought leadership on the subject and also your perspective on current events and, and even your live reactions to other people, um, to other people's comments. I mean, you know, I, I can't think of one in particular, but I know I've seen you, you know, dress people down before because of what they're saying on someone else's <laughs> comment or you posted a, a, a status based on something you saw that I saw. And I was like, yeah, I saw that. And um, because, you know, there's so many people, uh, white people that tries to, to gaslight us and, and tell us that we're overreacting or we're angry or we must have had a bad day or um, well, whatever the litany of things that they're trying to explain away our lived experiences or what we experience. And just, it's, 
it's a uh, frustrating, but I, you know, I'm glad yeah. to see that people are becoming more vocal and it, it is strange to see though, Same. you know, all these different people that will, when, when, the, uh, you know, we have racist or, or systemic racism is everywhere. Um, and when we try to point out injustices, all of a sudden we're negative. We're the bad guy. We're, we get, it's like you're, we're getting persecuted for pointing out what's wrong. And it, yeah, but that's part of white supremacy doing anything to protect white supremacy is that. Right. It's the gaslighting that comes like, like you're crazy. You're overacting. You're negative. You're a racist. Like when you address racism, all of a sudden they call you a racist. Like, well, that was racist. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's funny because you mentioned that because there has been there have been like most recently in some of my posts because I, I think uh, a few people have uh, shared them like you know people kind of see it on LinkedIn and stuff and I've had like literal no, uh, messages like you are actual racist when I'm calling out not even an individual right I'm calling out a system um, and uh, and to be called a racist when you're calling out a system is is particularly interesting uh, <laughs> so um but yeah i think no I, I you know i think going back to what we were saying the more people are vocal the more people are authentic the more people that um uh are are, are able to kind of speak to these and and you know cut off the nonsense um the more it paves the way for others to to do so so you you at one point you reach a critical mass when you're able to kind of change the system um, and that requires people to, to, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it takes some risk to do that, but the idea is to diffuse this risk across society, this, this pain across society. So we're doing it in mass. And so the more, more people are like, I see on LinkedIn kind of commenting and it's almost like you're thinking about it in terms of, um, like in medicine, it's like a, a sort of anti-racist antibodies, right? Like somebody says something and then five or six people are like, this is why this is, you know, this is wrong on this level. This is wrong on that level. You're forgetting this and that. And so the more people are kind of, you know, latching on and saying, the more it becomes like socially unacceptable to be say racist things and gaslight. Yeah. And, and so like, I, I think LinkedIn is, slowly transforming into something beautiful. I mean, I, I know for a fact that there are people have been um, uh, like kind of shut down for what they're saying and it had nothing to do with uh, like, it was zero harm. It was just for the fact that they were calling out racism, particularly women of color and black women on racism, uh, uh, black women uh, talking about racism on LinkedIn have been, if my friends have been, um, you know, censored, uh, but, we, we will eventually reach a point where we don't have these, these, these people are, that are being like, I mean, I can't even think of a better term, but martyred for the cause, right? Like they're, they're the heroes that, that everybody's looking, uh, looking for. And we're putting uh, these individuals on these pedestals and, and that, that the, the, the scope is on them to, to, to lead us. And so like um, it's, it's a lot to ask of somebody who's, who's being simultaneously marginalized in a society and have to break free of that personally and lead people to break free of it. So the more we can diffuse this responsibility, this pain, this, uh, this sort of risk in, in speaking out, the more people speak out, the more people kind of talk about their specific experiences, the more it's gonna become like 
tab, like the, the shift is going to be from taboo to talk about these things on LinkedIn to the taboo is to like speak out against like against these personal experiences against these like racist uh, experiences that you know the uh, some of these individuals that are that are doing problematically on LinkedIn and calling you know anti calling somebody calling out racism a racist and those types of uh, gaslighting behaviors so I think it will get there well you know right now it's it's certain individuals um, that you know my friends are taking the brunt of it especially I mean it's it's especially like problematic for women of color on LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, just like going, reading some of the comments on some of my, my, my friends posts, you're like, you know, report that, but LinkedIn doesn't do anything. So, um, Oh yeah. I've seen, I've seen those. I've, I've been there and I've seen those disgusting posts and I, I can't believe that, um, that I can't believe that people say that stuff. I can't believe they use, first of all, I can't believe they say it. Second of all, I can't believe they use their professional LinkedIn uh, account to say it. Like they think that's that privilege right there. I know <laughs> they think that. that is the paragon of like the fact <laughs> that you, you have no worry about accountability. Exactly. And no worry it's, to it's be able to do that. Professional profile, and they're just like saying that wacko stuff. And um, so we're gonna wrap it up here. It's been an amazing, amazing conversation, Farzine. I really appreciate your time today, but I have two things to ask you before we get off. The first thing is who are three voices on LinkedIn or more, if you can name them off that people should be following besides yourself, of course. (laughs) Um, And me, (laughs) uh, that'd be two. Yeah. So, so two, this two right here, definitely. We got Um, those two down. Uh, I think, um, I mean, one goes without saying Madison Butler, I think, uh, oh, yeah. uh, she, she posts a lot of great stuff. Um, oh man, there's, there's so many, I can't, um, let me think about this. If okay. You know to, who I just, I just found out about, and then it was right before that you posted something by her and she's amazing, but, and I'm probably going to butcher her name. So I hope she forgives me if I do. Dr. Shola. Okay, hold up, pump your brakes again. I have a lot of these moments because I don't always get it right and I wanna make sure that I do not uh, disrespect someone's name. And I wasn't expecting to reference Dr. Shola Mashagbamimu, but I did and it, I just I, I really said it wrong and I wanted to make sure that I always put respect on someone's name. So Dr. Shola Mashagbamimu, I am sorry. And I hope everyone can forgive me, but that's the correct pronunciation. And she has the, the TikTok and uh, she's from London, England. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that video was uh, absolutely incredible. So she was talking about um, about like uh, the same things I think we were, we were talking about and in, in, um, uh, like how, you know, uh, calling out anti-racism and reverse <laughs> racism and how just absolutely ludicrous it all is if, if you look at the actual uh, um, uh, trajectory of like society and history. Um, yeah, so she, she's great. Um, uh, you know, w- one person that's not on LinkedIn that I love, absolutely love is Francesca Ramsey. She's got a Twitter profile. She's on um, uh, the show Superstore right now. Um, and if you haven't uh, seen the, the latest episode of Superstore and uh, it's, 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 Particularly hilarious if you're in the DEI space, it kind of goes through all the problems of 
of a diversity and inclusion program that they did um, uh, that they kind of translated into the the the, uh, the, the superstore that they, they work at. It was absolutely um, uh, uh, hilarious. Um, God, I don't like. I have like. So I, I follow, uh, for example, somebody that's connected with Madison Butler, Emily uh, Weltman, um, posts a lot of great stuff. Uh, Patrice Palmer has awesome things. Um, she uh, posts a lot of visuals with her with her uh, commentary. Um, oof, yeah, there's so many. Um, uh, 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 Tara Furiani, who uh, is not the HR lady, um, she posts a lot of great things. I think she's gonna. Um, she has a, a, a watch party coming up for her latest episode of one of her podcasts that she's doing. Um, uh, there are some people in uh, other uh, uh, outside of the United States um, that uh, that I follow that are uh, that are doing some incredible work in in, for example, um, uh, the the Netherlands. Like I want to be sure that I will. Get her last name. Um, Netherlands, Australia, UK. Like um, her uh, one particular person that's that's doing a lot of work in the DEI space that I've been in contact is is Zoe. Uh, I don't want to also butcher her last name. Um, she's half Greek, so it's Pipe uh, Papa Papai Kon, Konomu Papai Konomu, um, which I recently had a conversation and we were com uh, com doing. Um, comparing and con contrasting uh, the experience of uh, DEI work in the Netherlands and what's happening here. And there's a yeah. lot of over overlap and there's a lot of actually like very interesting things that are going on. Um, Shireen Daniels, uh, the HR Sh conversation. conversation. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, I think we follow like almost all the same people. I need uh, to make a hard list so more those so I can reference them more often. Yeah. So Zoe Moore, um, uh, her, she goes. Uh, she goes by uh, Zoe, but um, her full name is uh, Charika Zoe Moore on on uh, LinkedIn. Um, uh, I have actually another sort of talk with her um, that'll be posted, and, and you know, she and I comment a lot on each other's posts, and I follow a lot of what she's saying, and she follows, and so she does a lot of work in um, the advertising space. Uh, the I'm sorry, the event planning space um, with DEI, and that uh, has a lot of great. I mean, there. I like I. This, that's a hard question. Like, maybe, maybe like I invite everybody to follow me and just like see who I'm, who, <laughs> who I'm sharing. How about that? You gave, yeah, well, you, you gave me eight. So we we meet we met the uh, the three we, the quota. Yeah, we met the goal, and uh, there was a lot of great. You know, Madison. I love her Amber stuff. Amber Thompson with Leaders of Change. Sorry, I can go on for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, plenty. All right, we need to save some. Uh, people for the next interview okay some names for the next time we talk <laughs> well no this uh, was a pleasure thank you so much uh two eagles i mean i i always uh enjoy our i mean this is the first time we've got a chance to actually talk uh, in person or like vocally um but i always enjoy your comments and uh i love what you're posting i love what you're doing um i love the empowered podcast and uh you know, uh, it's awesome. And I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for inviting me. I, you know, this was a great conversation and I, I love the, uh, especially the, the, the sort of conversation on, on, uh, being sort of white passing in, a, in a <laughs> very uncomfortable situations. And, um, 
So it's, 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 but it's also, it's hard to talk. It's, you know, like to admit for me, like, you know, about my name and like, I know, you know, for me to admit that I, I like make a secret name so I can just order a pizza or, um, but you know, I'm all like social justice, be yourself. But it's like, I just want to order a pizza. I don't want to get into this, like feeling like crap because they're like, what, you know, it's like that literally, when I call someone, I say two eagles and they pause. I know exactly what's happening. And I know other people I've talked to and they know they've said it too. Like they've said stuff to me that is exactly the same stuff that's been said to me and they've experienced it. And then to talk to someone that's had that experience. And I, I don't feel like such a, you know, I mean, having the name two eagles, it's like, it's like out there for yeah. people to, to get, they don't get it. I mean, and yeah, even really. I've had native Americans, a lot of native Americans will call me Marcus. And I'm like, are you insane? I just told you my name is two Eagles. Marcus. Do you, I, I'm not, I'm not bond James bond. You know, right. I don't go around introducing myself <laughs> last name first, but um, so it, it, it's like, you, I, I deal with it all the time. And it's interesting to see, even when I talk to D E and I consultants and I'll be like, two eagles marcus and i'll be like okay marcus and i'm like dude yeah. you're like trained supposed to be trained in this what are you doing right now I, I i hear you i mean uh so i, I that's got to be tough and you know it, it all you know our, our identities there's a there's a very strong um uh performative element to who we are like who we want to express in our identity. And that has to be on our terms always. Like my identity is for me to define, right? Like, um, of course, I, I always know that, you know, I contextualize everything within society and history and, you know, where like, you know, within my privilege and marginalization, but how I express myself, that that's for me, right? Um, yeah. And, it, you know, respect comes in the form of are you going to respect who, who, who I am and who I, who I, who I want to perform and who I want to be outwardly? And is the, like, are you allowing me to be my authentic self? Well, allowing is like, you know, stupid terminology because it's not up to them, but still like <laughs> you're creating an environment where I can be me, you know? And yeah. And not feel like myself. you're, yeah. Like you're like, if you are yourself, then you'll be ostracized for it or, or treated differently or not asked to come back because you're, yourself but I've, I've been in those situations where it's like um i'm s surrounded by people that i know are like they're all like rich like rich and white and then i realize like hey they're all here but i'm here because i'm working <laughs> you know what i mean like, yeah even though i'm talking oh, to funny. them like as a photographer or as whatever but i'm like oh wait a minute I'm only here because I own a magazine and I'm the photographer. I'm taking pictures from my magazine. Like if I didn't have that to bring to the table, I wouldn't be at this event. event yeah. Oof, so, I that's mean, heavy. that's like, yeah, I mean, seriously. When you look yeah, around, no, when I'm at an event, I, one time I, I also have a photo booth company and I was taking pictures because I also have a magazine and, uh, um, Megan was working the photo booth for me and Megan is black and um, Japanese. And she is in a lot of the different, goes a lot of different events and, and the social circles I'm in for a lot of, a lot of, for the most part. And I said, we're at an event and I said, Hey, you know, look, it is actually kind of diverse tonight. 
And I'm like looking around and she goes, well, two Eagles, they're all working. And I like, then I realized I'm like, I'm like looking closer and they're like the wait staff and they're like doing stuff at the thing. And then when it came to diversity of actual people that bought tickets that were there, then it was like nothing. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, I'm like, Oh yeah. And I'm working too. And then, and then you're in the awkward position of dreaming, right? Like, will I ever be here? Will I ever like, you know, do I want? (laughs) Yeah. Do I really want want this? But um, yeah. So then at that point you start telling yourself that you don't really want that just because you know that you'll never. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a whole like conversation on its own. It's like, um, you know that the 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 wealth in society and what it gets you and what you're able to do and for the rest of us kind of clawing our way up and and trying like do we want to claw our way up or do we wanna, <laughs> I know do we just want to live are we comfortably clawing our way up to yeah <laughs> so well it's, that's so we can make our uh, voices louder and help more people that's what we're clawing our way up to absolutely I mean the the platform I think you get. Um, uh, with that comes with power and wealth uh, is important, but uh, I, th- that's not, that's not for, I mean, that may be for some others. That's, that's not really not, not, not for me. I think uh, I like, I enjoy just, I mean, I want to, I want to break free of the, the few privileges that I have, the few marginalizations that I have. And uh, I mean, um, kind of just live comfortably, but you know, sometimes uh sometimes for some people like you have to achieve those lengths to be able to be heard, you know, like it's, it's, it's unfortunate. We had to create a society where we, we don't have to be at that position to have a voice in society. Right. Like, Oh, that's a, that's a big, big conversation on its own. Yeah. That's a lot to, <laughs> lot to bring that back on a different conversation. Okay. So this is the final wrap, wrap up for Thank you so much for joining me oh, today. You've thank been you. amazing. I had a great time. No, I and appreciate uh, it. Um, I look forward to talking to you again, and I'll definitely see you on LinkedIn. Definitely. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Take Thanks care. again. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am your host, Two Eagles Marcus, founder of Empowered X, Empowered Business, and Empowered Talent. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on the Empowered X channel get weekly access to the BIPOC action takers and change makers in business, entrepreneurship, and social justice. Remember, there is no community without unity, and it is essential that we all work together to ensure a prosperous and sustainable future. Stay strong, never stop learning, and never stop moving forward.